0: All right, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Before you stand up, Joanne. Uh, <laughs> oh, I am. I'm a blessed man. I am so happy tonight to have the only uncle and aunt that I have left uh, in our family. And uh, when I was born. My mom and daddy, and my Uncle Dub and Aunt Zoe, we all lived in one house. So if I got booted out in one place, I could go to the next. And if they went off somewhere, they carried me. For six years, I think it was, I was the only young'un on the place. Spot? Nope. Rotten? Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm glad they have come tonight. Uh, I'll have more to say about them in a moment through the message. I didn't know they were coming. And they had no idea that what I was preaching, okay? So, I'll have more to say about that uh, a little later. But if you're at that spot, um, are you ready? <laughs> we ought to know this by heart by now, as many weeks as we've been working on this. But the fruit of the Spirit, There's no better fruit, y'all. I love physical fruit. Hey, don't get me wrong. I love it. But the fruit of the Spirit, he says to us, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, that is, goodness, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit Thank you for the music you've allowed us to participate in, and what a joy to hear John and Linda again, together, and Lord, we just uh, ask you to open up your word to us tonight. Speak to our hearts, and Lord, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise and the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All through the Bible, we find men and ladies of faithfulness. That's what we want to talk about tonight, faithfulness. And um, I have had many people uh, in my life that I looked to that were faithful and that are faithful. And that's two of them right there. Um, Helped mold my life when I was a little boy and still support us today. I never will forget, ain't Zoe might remember, I never will forget when I surrendered to preach, and I'd done gone to school, and I had already graduated, and the first church had called me to be their pastor. I'd never been away from home. I'd never been away from my family. I was always around, Uh, hey, within four or five minutes, I could be at my folks' house. I could be at Lynn's mom and daddy's house, my mom and daddy, Ain't Zoe and Uncle Dub, I, my cousins, I mean, my high school classmates. And of course, we had struggled with it and we were settled and sure. And Aunt Zoe said, are you sure about this? I said, yes, I'm sure. See, she was my Sunday school teacher. I uh, was a den chief in her Cub Scout crowd. And then through that little association, I don't know why I was, no, I know why. We had two packs, and I was the only Boy Scout in the area, so I was my Aunt Zoe's uh, den chief. And then Lynn's mother, she had a pack also, and asked me to be her den chief, and that's where I met the little blonde. And I've been trying to be the chief ever since. (laughs) Amen. Well, I praise God for people. Well, if I didn't have people, what would I have? I got the word of God. And all through the Bible, there are men and ladies who have set the example of being faithful. I just want to name a few, and, and I, as I name these, you're going to think of some others that you have read after and have maybe even patterned some of your life after. I think of Noah's wife, Mrs. Noah. She had to be faithful to tolerate a man and three sons who's building something and everybody's a laughing and making fun of. But she stuck by her man. Had she left him, she would have been among those who perished. But she had faith. Not only in God, but she had faith in her man that he was leading the family in the right way. You see, men, how important it is to be faithful to God? I mean, what if Noah had just cast it off? he too would have perished. But because of his faith in the Lord, he led his family to believe, and they were spared. I think of Sarah. My, what a lady. I think of Rebecca. I think of Anna, Elizabeth, Eunice, Lois, Martha, Mary. And then I think of some men. I think of Abraham. I do think of Noah. And I think of Joseph. I think of Moses. I think of David. I think of Daniel. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, how many of us would be faithful enough to face the fire? I'm talking a literal fire. But they were. They say, hey, we, 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 we're going to serve our God. I don't care what you do. If we're wrong, we're taken care of. If we're right, we're going to make it. So they cast them in there. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I think of Paul. Probably one of the greatest missionaries ever has been. He faced beatings, shipwrecks, jail time. I think of Peter even though he got out of hand many times, just like us, he was faithful. I think of Timothy, and I think of John on the Isle of Patmos, almost dead. And God gave him enough vision, gave him enough breath. Can you imagine dying and hearing God say, will you just look up here? And he looked up toward heaven, and he said, these things... I want you to write it down because they're faithful and they're true. So let's look at this thing uh, called faithfulness. Now, we want to look at it in several ways, all right? Um, as, as we begin, I want us to look at uh, faithfulness in living for Jesus. Now, I mean, how many people are really faithful when it comes to living for Jesus? Now, you heard the man this morning talk about, look, what we've got to do, we've got to stand on the Word of God, not just in here. We've got to stand on the Word of God, out yonder in the workplace. We've got to stand on the Word of God wherever you hang out during the day. Or even anywhere. You and I, we have got to stand on the Word of God. I've come too far to turn back. And when I think of of, uh, my faithfulness in, in living for Jesus, I think of some disrespect. Listen to this verse of scripture. In Luke 6, 46, Why you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I ask you? You remember what he asked Peter? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well, go feed my sheep. Ask him a second time, Lord, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Well, go feed my sheep. Peter, the third time, do you love me? Well, Lord, you know. He was trying to bring him to attention, okay? Bring him to attention. Do you really love me? Are you willing to go with me? And you remember old Peter again? He said, oh, Lord, I'll go with you to the cross. He said, you can't do that. Yes, I can. No, you cannot do. You can't drink the cup that I'm going to drink of. See, there was some disrespect going on there. But if one truly, listen, if one truly loves Christ, we are willing to obey him and respect him. Now, if we think of, of uh, living for Christ, not only uh, disrespect, but listen, there's disregard also. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him and don't walk with him, we're walking in darkness. Fellowship with the Lord, reading his word, talking to him. You see, most time we refer to it as praying to God, okay? It's okay to pray to him. It's okay to pray to Jesus. But listen, what about just a common conversation? Lord, I'm fixing to leave the house and uh, you know where I'm going and you know who I'm going to cross paths with. I have no idea. But Lord, let me be the example that they need to see. Let me have the words they need to hear. And when we think about that, you know, sometimes we disregard after service. We come to church, everything's lovely, everything's fine, we get to hear good music, we get to hear teaching, preaching, and giving, and then we go out to where the war is. Sometimes we disregard. I appreciate Larry, he put lemon juice in here. Thank you, sir. But not only disrespect and disregard, but listen to this. There needs to be some deliverance. John 8, 32, he says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. We want to be free. Hey, we want to be free to do what we want to do. Well, it's okay as long as we're in the will of God. Okay? He is calling the shot. So we go and we do. We may not want to go where He wants us to go. Hey, I didn't want to leave home, but I knew that's what I must do if I was going to follow the Lord's desire uh, for my life. And so, you know, disrespect, disregard, deliverance. Sometimes we even denounce what God wants. If you want to, turn to Hebrews. There's some interesting words over there in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. If I locate it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He says, wherefore, now listen, listen to what the word of God says. Let's really look at it. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed, surrounded, that is, about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I don't know who these witnesses are. They're either here on earth, a cloud of witnesses, or they're in heaven looking down on us let us lay aside, he says, every weight and every sin which does so easily, he says, beset us, cause us not to do right. And let us run with patience. We've already looked at patience. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now listen, I can't run your race don't want to run your race. I've, I, I'm trying my best to run my own race. And so we must run the race that God has put us in and keep on. And listen, here's why. Out there somewhere is a finish line. Okay, look what he says. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endued the cross, despising the shame, and here's where he is right now, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The race that is set before you, because out there somewhere, looking unto Jesus. Caleb used to run track. And one of the coaches said, he said, I want Caleb on my team. He said, I'll tell you why. One reason, he said, when he gets down and we hear, get set, get on your mark, get set, he's listening for the gun. And said, when it goes off, the young man never looks back. He said, he's got his eye on the goal. He's got his eye on the man with the stopwatch. And he wants to cross it first. He don't look to see who's coming up behind or who's beside him or anything else. So we, listen, I, I don't need to compare myself with you. Oh, I'm doing better than they are. I've made more visits than they have. I've offered more prayers than they have. I've done, I have done. I. I need to compare myself with Jesus and nobody else, okay? That way I know I'm not going to get ahead of anybody. I'm going to be running my race because there are a cheering crowd that's waiting on us to cross the finish line. Can you imagine our family? Our friends that have, that have were saved and have died and is already in heaven. Now, I don't know what heaven's going to be like other than what the Bible says, but I can't help but believe that they are there cheering us on, okay? Now, well, they say, well, you mean to see the bad and the good? Well, uh, I don't know whether they do or not. But the Bible says that, that Jesus one day is going to wipe away all tears. Now, if heaven's a happy place, what are you doing in If they are a part of that cloud of witnesses that's looking at us, okay? We think sometimes, hey, it's nobody's business what I do. Well, you might think that, I might think that, but it's God's business. And if nobody else is looking, God is. He's keeping the record. All right. We're talking about faithfulness. Not only faithfulness in living for Christ, but secondly, faithfulness in loving Christ. Um, I want you to listen to these scriptures. Maybe you're writing, maybe you're not, but faithfulness in loving Christ. As I said, Peter, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 and 39, here's what he says. The first commandment, he said, is like this. You're to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind. That don't leave out any part of us, does it? Hello? Uh, it, it, all, the whole ball of wax is covered if I'm to love him with heart, soul, and mind. And he said, the second is like this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We had some new people move in, cross the road, and and the Lord told me, said, so you need to go visit them. Well, I, of course, I put it off. You know, hey, put it off. I'll get around to it. Well, one day I was in the yard, and I kept hearing a tractor run, and it was coming from that direction. I said, well, I know he's home. I know they're home. I'm going to see him. So I went down in the basement, and I gathered up some stuff that we had gotten out of the garden and land canned and put away, and I drove over, got out, introduced myself, and he said, yeah, I've heard about you. You you own this right here. I said, yes, sir. I said, just want to come by and welcome you in the community and let you know who I am and... and uh, what we are about, and uh, to tell you, we're glad you're here, and I brought you some, some vegetable. Well, he went to the house, called his wife out, and gave her them. We talked a little bit. And I told him, I said, we'd love to, you know, if you're not in church anywhere, we'd love to have you. Well, needless to say, they haven't come. But when I see him, hey, it's always, hey, good to see you, glad to see you, you know. you got to build a relationship. Folk, if they don't trust you, they're not going to follow you, Right? They got to trust you. I don't care if you're trying to give something away or you're trying to sell something or show somebody a direction. They got to trust you. And so that's why it's so important when we think about loving Christ, how much do we love him? Listen, I want to look at, first of all, complete love, okay? Love me completely. In Matthew 22, 37, 39, that's them commandments, okay? Loving me completely. Also, not only completely, but there's controlled love. Now, how do we control this love? When it comes to love in Christ, there's only one verse to me, and that's Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is controlled love. If you seek him first, you see... He knows what our desires are, he knows what our needs are, he knows what our wants are, and he will deliver those things to us as we have a need for. Okay? Sometimes we get out of hand and we go ahead and do what we think's right, and most of time a lot of time it's a big mess. So, that's why I said seek me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're part of that kingdom. And one day we're going home to where that kingdom is. And we're going to exist. We're going to be there for a celebration. It never ends. Okay? So we think about this control love, complete love. But listen, also there's consecrated love. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways do what? acknowledge that he is God. Now, I've often looked at this. If I'm not trusting the Lord, what am I doing? Take the T off of trust and what you got. Come on. Y'all sleep. Rust. 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 Most of the time when you clean the rust off, you find out, hey, it's deeper than I thought. It's ruined. I'm going to have to do something. I cleaned up this piece of metal. I scrubbed it with a wire brush, and I blew, and I scrubbed, and I blew, and I scrubbed, and I got me some paint, spray paint. says, kills rust. Oh, this is what I need. Man, I coated it down on there. A day or so later, I let it get good and dry, and I coated it on there again. Two or three days later, I see that rust creeping back through. That's just like sin. I can get forgiveness today, but tomorrow it shows up again. And I have to be bold enough to keep going to God and asking every day, forgive me of my sins, cleanse my heart, and hear my prayer, Lord. You see, the Bible says he's not going to answer prayers if there's sin there. Sin's like a kink in a hose pipe. You can turn it on all you want to. And you're not going to get anything at the nozzle until the kinks are out. You're not going to hear from God if there's sin existing in our life. All right, listen. Not only complete and controlled and consecrated love, but listen, compassionate love. Do you love me, he says. In Acts twenty thirty four, it says we are to warn the lost of what's coming what's coming. I don't know if you saw the it was this morning uh, the uh, news was on and it talked about Joplin, Missouri and uh, some little town there in Oklahoma that was hit by those storms and I hollered for him I said come quick, look, look and uh, it was scenes that she and I saw when we were in Joplin I thought, my goodness, and and the little children, that's what was, they they showed the little children had, had raised money and taken it over to this other community to buy books, books for the school, I mean, completely wiped out and destroyed, and little children were doing this, compassionate love, warned them of what's coming, now, those people Uh, according to the the witnesses that we talked to in Joplin, had no warning. Had no warning. It hit so quick and so fast. True story. Uh, We were building a building down uh, below Fair Play. We done laid the block and had stud walls up and had every truss but one set. And Caleb was on the very peak. He was tying things off and taking the rope loose I had a man on this plate the man on that plate and I was on the tractor set the last truss he hollered daddy let it down I'll take the chain loose as the last thing I heard him say "It's like you flip the light out I never seen a storm come up so fast and leave so fast in all of my life a gust of wind and pull down rain you couldn't see in front of you and every one of those trusses were wiped out and two walls blew plumb out he fell some 14 feet hitting the concrete floor. When we got to him, he was trying to push himself up, and all I could see was this massive blood. And I just cried out to God, please don't take him. We got in the truck and rushed to the hospital. Praise God, there was no broken bones, just bruised up. But without warning, people, don't, people that's lost don't have a clue how quick it's going to be when it happens. There'll be no time to get it right. That's why God gives us an opportunity right now to love him with heart, soul, and mind. When we talk about faithfulness, we're talking about living for Christ, loving Christ. Thirdly, we're talking about learning of Christ. Now, you know, sometime when it talks about learning, people say, hey, I finished school a long time ago. I'm not in the learning business anymore. The Bible teaches us that we need to do all the learning that we can do. Get all we can get to share with those who are having problems. And we know that the world is full of problems. And as we think about learning of Christ, listen, we need to learn God's will. Okay? Psalm 143, uh, verse 10 says, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is the most reasonable thing you can do. And he said, I don't want you to be conformed to the world, but I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why it's so important to learn God's will. Now, after I finally understood God's will, that was no big deal, okay? I I heard him speak. I knew what he wanted, but then doing it. That's where the tough part comes. Okay, Lord, I'm saved, and I'm glad about it, so now what? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over here. These people are lost. They need to hear about, oh, I de- I don't I don't want to do that right now. Well, hey, his will is for us to be saved. His will is for us to tell others about Jesus, and once we know the will, hey, you see, God, not he's not hiding, y'all. He wants us to know his will because he has a wonderful plan for our life. I mean, to me, I've looked back at my own life how it's just unfolded page after page after page and, and what God has done and is still doing. Now, when we think about this, we not only need to learn God's will, but secondly, we need to learn his word. Psalm 119, 11 says, Thy word have a hidden my heart that I might not sin against God. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. Thy word is a good thing. Have a hidden my heart. It's a good place to put it that I might not sin against God. It's a good reason to do it. Once we got it in here, nobody can take it away from us. Learn his word. Learn his will. But learn his way. You know, what is God's way? In Matthew four nineteen, he simply said, all he said to his disciples was come, follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Just come. What an invitation. What do we do? Hey, Lord, it prompts upon us to come and we wait. And we wait and we put it off and we wait. A lady told me one time, she said, I'm not, she said, I, I can't believe that my husband's finally been saved. She said, I have prayed for him literally 40 years. In his 70s when he got saved. But she didn't quit. She kept doing it. It's important, y'all, that we learn what God's will is, learn his word, And learn his way. Come follow me. All right, last of all, we're talking about faithfulness, living for Christ and loving Christ and learning about him. But there needs to be faithful uh, in looking for him. Looking for him. One evening after service, I believe it was on a Wednesday night, several little children were out in the cemetery. and they spotted me and they hollered, Preacher Kenny, come here. I walked out there. They said, Can you tell us why all these graves are facing that away? I said, Yes I can. I said, The Bible talks about when Jesus comes, he's gonna come in a cloud in that direction. And all these people that's laying in this grave, when they come up out of there, they're already going to be facing him. Those little kids now, some of them done married and got up their own young'uns. I wonder if they've ever thought about what they asked me. And are they ready? Faithfulness and looking for Christ. First of all, the promise of his coming. The Bible says in, in Acts um, Acts 1, it says, and after Jesus finished these sayings, he was lifted up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were the Bible says, while they were standing there gazing toward the direction which they saw him go, two men dressed in white says, Hey, what y'all doing? Why are you standing here gazing toward heaven? And I love what he said, this same Jesus, whom you have seen taken up out of sight, is going to come again in like manner, in the clouds. On a cloudy day, I always, I always most time think, hey, could this be the day? Clouds are everywhere. Could this be the day that he's going to step on, out on the cloud and holler, y'all get up? Only talking to Christians, Okay. Because the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first and if we're walking around as saved people, then we'll be caught up behind him. But I love what he said, this same Jesus, the one who was born and laid in a manger, the one who grew up, the one who was 12 years old, found in the temple, answered questions, the one who... What about doing good? The one who was arrested, made a mockery of, beat half to death, put on a cross and died and was buried and rose again. It's the same one. He's not going to send a substitute. I don't like to have a doctor's appointment and I know the doctor I'm going to see and I get there and the nurse said, oh, by the way, he's had an emergency and we've called in somebody else. I don't want somebody else. I want somebody that knows me, don't you? Same way with my dentist. He knows what my teeth look like. I don't want somebody poking and gouging around in there. They may poke and gouge something else loose. This same Jesus whom you've seen taken up is going to come in like manner. That's a promise of his coming. Not only the promise of his coming, but the person of his coming. Listen, John 14, 3, it's what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and he went, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be also. Never ever will I be separated from Jesus again after he comes to get us. No more separation. Then last of all, there's the preparation of his coming. Well, Matthew uh, 24, um, 44 says, be ready for in such an hour as you think not, the son of man will come. You know, it's amazing to me. God knows everything, right? Nothing ever occurred to God. God's never said, oh, I I forgot. No, he never, ever forgets. He's all-knowing. Okay, his son is seated on the right hand of him right now. He's there to answer for you and me. When we conk out, when we make a, a mess up, when we sin, Jesus is sitting right there. He's our lawyer. He's our go-between. He's my bridge. He is my advocate. He speaks to the Father for me. Okay? Now, when I think about that, Bible says that only God knows when Jesus is coming. Jesus don't even know. You know, when he died on the cross, he died once. He died for everybody, paid for your sins and mine. He paid a debt he didn't owe. I had a debt I couldn't pay and he paid it. And don't you know, I would imagine he wished that the father would say, won't you go get your bride? I'm glad he's not going to send a substitute. Hey, on the day that I got married, I didn't send somebody. I went myself. I stood at the altar with her because she was mine, okay? I didn't send somebody. Jesus is gonna come and get his bride. That's the church. I'm glad he's not gonna send a substitute. He's sending the perfect one, the perfect son of God. He's gonna send Jesus. And I, I'm glad I'm glad, I am glad. And when I think about the uh, fruits of the Spirit, I I am so blessed and thankful. And I just want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I started well. I started right. I want to finish well. I want to finish right. Paul said the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I have finished my course. Hey, he was ready to go. He'd done everything God said do. I mean, what awaited him is indescribable. In an hour that you think not, the Bible says the Son of Man will come. I trust that most everybody in here, looks like to me, I those, I, I, know, I know about everybody in here and you're saved and you're ready to go. But what about our family? What about our friends? What about our acquaintances that we know is not ready to go? We need to, we need to love them. We need to set an example. We need to be faithful before them. And when they trust you, then they'll probably follow you as you follow the Lord. Father, thank you for the evening. Thank you for those who've come this way tonight. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to stand and to share your holy word. And thank you, Lord, for, this, for opening it up and making it so simple for us. And, Lord, help us to take it with us now and uh, just to do what you ask us to do. Uh, without question, Lord, we want to serve you. And I thank you for those that are here tonight. Bless the homes that are represented. In Jesus' name, amen.